Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Olivier Maris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I'm going to start today's episode by giving you an overview of what has happened in the markets. Global developed equities moved lower yesterday, ending an August of losses across asset classes. Stocks are now entering a month that is often poor for returns, and the latest CPI data coming out of the Eurozone is waiting on sentiment. Data showed that Eurozone inflation jumped to a record in August, soaring 9.1% year-on-year. Now, yesterday in the US, the S&P 500 ended down 0.78%, with all sectors negative. In Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 closed at minus 1.25%. Moreover, global bonds extended their sell-off, sending yields on two-year US Treasuries to a 15-year high. In fact, it briefly topped the 3.5% level this early morning, the first time since 2007. The swaps market now show traders are boosting the odds of a three-quarter point Federal Reserve rate hike this month to almost 70%. Now, in other news, Group of Seven Finance Ministers will hold talks this week on allowing global purchases of Russian oil at a cap price a plan that the U.S. hopes will ease the energy crisis and would allow buyers of Russian oil under a cap price to continue getting crucial services, like financing and insurance for tankers. Oil has been moving lower over the past few days, currently trading just over 89 U.S. dollars a barrel. Now, sticking to commodities, gold is also vastly moving lower for the last two weeks. The precious metal is trading just over a major support level at 1,700 U.S. dollars an ounce. And looking at the digital asset space, Bitcoin weakened, hovering around the closely watched 20,000 US dollar level. Now moving to the UK, Liz Trust delivered two eye-catching pledges in her final pitch at the last Conservative Party leadership meeting in London. She ruled out introducing any new taxes or rationing of energy this winter, something her rival strongly opposes to. Trust made the commitments ahead of the victor being announced September 5th. With that said, what can we expect for the day ahead? Well, European and US futures are pointing to losses. In Asia, markets are down as well, with the Hang Seng index well over 1% lower. China's move today to lock down the metropolis of Chengdu to tackle COVID definitely played on sentiment. It's the biggest Chinese city to face such curbs since Shanghai's bruising two-month crisis earlier this year. Now, expected data include Swiss CPI inflation and Italy GDP figures. Pernod Ricard, Broadcom, and Lululemon are among companies set to report. That's all for the market wrap. I'll now hand over to Norbert Rucker, Head of Macro and Next Generation Research, for an insightful update on oil and gas. Yeah, thanks. Well, if you look back, we have seen quite some easing on energy markets. If you turn to the oil market, oil prices are back at uh, around 95 US dollars per barrel. If you look more closely, for us, it seems that the fundamental trends are largely unchanged. So we're looking at very stagnant demand in the Western world. We're also looking at stagnant demand in China, where the imports remain much below uh, the highs seen in 2020, which is very much mirroring the economic challenges that this country is facing. We're also looking at expanding production, particularly out of North America, where we see a very strong shale boom. And last but not least, the Russian oil continues to flow. So the supply chains seem to have readjusted to the new geopolitics. The tankers leaving Russia uh, to the Baltic Sea, the Black Sea, simply go now east instead of going west. What we also observe is really 
visibility in terms of how the stock situation uh, improves, how we see stocks growing in North America, but also in Europe. So basically, with these fundamental trends set well in place, we stick to a cautious view. We continue to see headwind to prices. In fact, expect prices to trend towards the 80s in the medium term, so towards the end of the year, heading into next year. But what is really top of mind, if you look at energy markets, obviously, is the energy chaos uh, in Europe. But even there, over the past days, there has been a very pronounced easing. So prices on the natural gas markets, on the electricity markets, have been down 20 to 30 percent, if not more. Admittedly, the highs reached last week have been extremely excessive. These have been very record highs that not so long ago, no one really thought that is imaginable that we see power prices at around 1,000 euros a megawatt hour. The trigger points are very difficult to point at except that really these extreme price moves have very much to do with sentiments and they're completely detached from fundamentals to some extent. Market trading has been thin, emotions are high, really reflecting the market mood or the panic mood that we read when we open the newspapers. So basically it's largely related to some easing of that mood. If you look at the fundamentals, the storage situation is largely normal. The European storage, in fact, is even slightly filling above trend and is even slightly above normal, and this despite the cuts in Russian supplies. We also believe that these trends should persist going forward. Really, the market has shown how incredibly flexible it is in absorbing such a massive shock. We see some sort of LNG available, uh, increased availability for Europe because it's simply paying the highest price. We also believe that some of the demand destruction that's happening will support uh, rebalancing the market. So in terms of assessing what is the actual risk of supply shortages that we run low on natural gas stocks in Europe, this risk for us seems low and would really need a combination of ifs. A very cold winter alongside some further supply outages, a pipeline rupture, some more geopolitics. So we still look in a market from our perspective that is really excessively mispricing supply risk. These supplies are there, but they're not as high as the market suggests. And thus, we also continue to believe that we see some easing in prices in uh, natural gas, but also power prices in Europe. That's it from the energy markets. Thank you, Norbert. Now over to Nicholas Jordan from the CIO office for an update on the latest discussions with regard to the bank's investment strategy. Yes, thank you, Olivier, and good morning, everyone. So the main topic on the IC's agenda this week was the traditional meeting of central bankers in Jackson Hole. Investors hoping for a confirmation of a more cautious approach in the continuation of monetary tightening cycle were disappointed, to say the least. Central banks did not pivot tactically. They swung structurally. Well, what does that mean? Previously, central banks had to ensure that demand did not collapse in the face of external shocks or excessive monetary tightening, leading to a sharp decline in the value of financial and real assets. From now on, they must try to realign final demand with the supply constraints resulting from the new geopolitical situation. Given the high level of employment in the United States, the Fed's concern remains restoring its credibility in the containment of inflation rather than the economic slowdown or the price of financial assets. For years, we have elaborated that central banks target financial asset prices in the sense that they support them to avoid deflationary deleveraging of the economy and the financial system. Well, they continue to target them, but now to contain them. This is a structural, not a tactical change of direction. 
This means that we have entered not only the era of deglobalization, but also the era of definancialization. This change also means that we have to be aware not to be trapped in the reflexes we acquired during the long years of disinflation in the West, as this world no longer exists. That's why we believe this is not the time to make big sectoral or factorial wagers, but rather to reflect calmly on the potential consequences of the new situation. This reflection should be done while relying on a well-constructed portfolio in terms of diversification, favoring real assets over nominal assets, and maintaining a slightly defensive bias until the Fed has completed the normalization of costs of capital. In stock selection, free cash flow maintains the most important criteria. That's all from my side. Thank you. Back to you, Olivier. Many thanks, Nicolas. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Movie Markets Podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you for tuning in. We do hope that you join us again soon. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.